Good morning, good evening, good day, and welcome to Drama Buds. I'm Francine, I really love K-dramas, and I'm going to spend as much time as I want talking about them. Welcome to my podcast. So hello everyone. Today we're going to talk about a show that um, even just thinking about it makes me tear up. <laughs> like I am just thinking about what I have planned to say and I already feel my throat like closing up because it's just so emotional. And I know I haven't done reviews, recaps, and rants for a while because I couldn't find a show that engaged me enough to, you know, deserve a detailed episode. And by deserve, I mean for me to be capable of writing and recording a detailed uh, recap for a show that I loved so much. And it's been a while, but I finally found one. And it's written by my absolute favorite writer, Nohi Kyung, who also wrote It's Okay, That's Love. We know how much I love that show. And Live, which if you have not listened to my podcast on that one, I love that show so, so, so much. Today, we're talking about Dear My Friends, just in case you you don't know. Okay, so Dear My Friends won Best Drama and Best Screenplay in the Big Sang Arts Awards that year. But honestly, honestly, I would argue that it deserves the Daesang more than Goblin. I don't... I'm a Goblin hater. Maybe I am, okay? But I just think that this show is an absolute masterpiece and like... The fact that it deser- it won Best Screenplay tells you so much about how great it is. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I wasn't a K-drama fan that year. Maybe if I were, I would have loved Goblin as much as everyone else who watched it when it was still, you know, current and, and super hyped. But, okay, whatever. I'll let that slide. Okay. Although I love live, right? Live 2018. Not life 2018. Live 2018. I love live. I watched it twice in this year. Um, and I still have strong feelings for it. I really do. Despite all of that, Dear My Friends is my favorite work by No Kyung. And it's my favorite K-drama this year. It's that good. It impacted me that much and okay just to quickly describe it what it's all about dear my friends is about a group of elderly friends who live their day-to-day lives dealing with you know their friends their families and their various struggles in the present and also in the lives that they live they've lived so far so just with that description you already know that this is my kind of show And I don't know why it took me this long to watch it. Maybe it's because, you know, it's about a bunch of old people. And who wants to hear stories about that? But, oh, good. I wasted so much time. Or, you know, actually, it's a blessing. Because I finally found a show that brought me so, so much emotion. Just so many feelings. And, and, you know, it just revitalized my love for K-dramas. Like, to make me feel that, oh... I did miss out on some good shows. Like, there's still some amazing shows out there waiting for me to be discovered. So, let's move on to the plot and characters. Okay. So, our first main character is Jo Hija, played by Kim Yeja. So, she, I think, is the eldest in their group. Um, her, her husband died in their bedroom closet. Very, very dark, right? And, you know, after that, she went to live with one of her sons in the Philippines. Woo, Pinoy pride. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, she went to live with one of her sons who worked in the Philippines and lived there. But, you know, she felt more like a nuisance than a family member or a guest even. So she decided to just go back to Korea and live by herself. But her other son, Minho, played by Lee Kwang-soo, uh, still takes care of her and watches over her through like a CCTV. <laughs> yeah, uh, just just to make sure that she's 
you know, still okay because it was her choice to live alone and she's, you know, she's a bit, I mean, a bit old. This one. She's old. She's a bit frail. Um, but she's still very, like, energetic and all that. It's just how she is. And really, she just, she just wants to live by herself. That's really what, what her main, I guess, her main journey is. Like, or her main struggle is that she just wants to live by herself and not be a nuisance to her children anymore because that's that's how she feels about herself. And, you know, even if she lives alone, she still feels like she's under watch by her son at times. And there's just this, like, this feeling of she just wants to let them be and let them live their lives and, you know, take care of their families and just let her be independent, be by herself. And she enjoys that independence with her best friend, jong So, Moon Jong-a, played by Nal Moon-hee, is um, he just best friend for, for decades, really. She lives with her stingy husband, Sokyun, who bosses her around and expects her to wait on him. And, uh, you know, a few times a week, she works as a cleaner, I guess, or cleans up after her daughters, including her eldest daughter, who they adopted, Sun-yong, played by Yum Yeran, who... I love, I'm so happy she's here. <laughs> Maybe this is how she got introduced into the, the No Hee Kyung cinematic universe. <laughs> anyway, so uh, despite how, you know, Sok Yoon has treated her all these years, um, when they first got married, he promised to take her on a trip around the world. And that's really why she stuck by his side all these years because she believed in that promise. Even though... It's like knowing him, knowing how frugal he is and how I, I don't kind of mistreats her, honestly. He honestly does. Um how he treats her and all that. Like we all kind of know that he won't do it, but she still um, holds on to it. And I don't know if it's in a naive way or in, in an in denial way that she's denying that he really won't do it. Or if that's just an excuse and she just doesn't want to leave him or is scared to leave him. But there, she's by his side despite his treatment of her and all that. And her journey in this show is about setting her boundaries and living for herself for once. So you can take a guess how that plays out in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next main character is O Chung Nam, played by Yun Yojong. Yes, queen, congratulations. Um, so she is an old maid, a single lady all her life, who only finished elementary school and got rich through real estate investments, I think, and is now a cafe owner and an art collector. So because she's the only one who really got rich in her family, she um, takes care of essentially, of all her sick and poor relatives. So she's never had time to care about herself or find love or even, you know, study well for her GEDs because that's something she's been trying to get for so long. Um, Because of how she's gotten used to taking care of old and sick people, um, she tends to hate old people, like hates staying with them because, you know, they just die and leave her. She's, you know, in a way, she's a bit lonely because of how she's had to let so many people go despite her efforts to take care of them. And so she tries to befriend these art professors who she buys um, pottery and other artworks from. But they kind of take advantage of her because they know that, oh, this lady's just going to buy whatever we, you know, show her because she thinks we're poor starving artists and she just wants to throw money at us and so it doesn't it's not a genuine friendship um and really her genuine friends are her her old people friends you know the whole squad of her elementary school alumni um but but yeah she's a very lonely person and she lives with two of her nephews because of this fear she has of dying alone like it's really so ironic that she's the one who takes care of everyone and yet her one fear really is that you know she she's she's going to die alone i don't know how to explain that that's just like 
That's really sad. <laughs> That's just really sad. Um, and she's always the one that they run to for support or for help. But all her life, she was never able to put herself first. Um, she has this super iconic line that, you know, you'd probably see around on Twitter. But uh, she said that, I'm the protagonist of my life. How dare you tell me to play the supporting role? End quote. <laughs> um, I usually I hate quotable quotes like that, you know, for various reasons and previous experiences with shows that I didn't enjoy because they were just full of quotable quotes. But I felt like, you know, that was just one really witty writing. And two, it really did summarize how she's treated as a person that she's always, you know, the person they run to for help or the person who has to give way for others to find happiness or find love or whatever. It's like she's always the one who just lets people go because she's the one who's alone, right? She's the one with no family, really, no love life, no other relationships aside from the people depending on her and her other elderly for other friends. And so it feels like she's the one who um gets left out. Uh, or the one who, you know, doesn't have much going on around her. So so things just happen around her, but doesn't nothing goes on with her necessarily. Uh I feel like that wasn't a great explanation. But but okay, you know what? She's my favorite character. Because I just love Chung Nam so much. Like, I love how she's there for people and how she's, you know, despite being old and all, she's still trying to pass the GED despite how many tries. Because, you know, she's hardworking and she's actually, like, really, she's pretty smart, you know? Like, the fact that she's, she's the definition of self made. I mean, lucky, but self made and all that. I, I just love Chungnam. Okay, moving on, moving on. Um, our next character is Lee Yongwon, played by Park Wonsu. So she is a famous actress. Um, but despite, you know, the glitz and the glamour of her life, the sad thing is that she's actually had various types of cancer throughout her life. And, you know, despite it all, she remains cheerful and energetic because... Because she has to. Because it's her job and her image to maintain this image. To to maintain this idea that she is, you know, an untouchable, glamorous, happy person. Um, Young Won used to be best friends with Nanhee. I will introduce her later with Nanhee. But they've drifted apart because Nanhee thinks that Young Won betrayed her. Even though there's actually a good reason for that betrayal. I'll explain later, don't worry. Um, what else? Young Won has a plotline with this um old flame of hers who she really loved, but you know, he left her to go back to his wife. And you know, now suddenly he's approaching her again or sending her flowers, you know, every now and then. And she kind of I think her that that bit of her storyline is about um, how we regret, you know, we regret not going for the things or the people we love after all these years. We we pretend that we're you know we're so nonchalant about everything that we're that everything is just okay. But the truth is that you wanted to take that step forward. You wanted to fight. You wanted to try. But you know. She's gotten sick, she's gotten old, and it's like there was so much time that she wasted um, because she didn't try to fight for it or try to go after him. And it's like, is it even worth coming back to now? I, I think I think that's what her story is about. Honestly, honestly, I didn't pay much attention to young one. Because she got a lot less screen time compared to the other ladies. And, you know, a lot less, like, character focus compared to them. Even this plot line, I feel like it only got a few moments every few episodes. But it didn't feel like it was continuously building up to something. So, I don't know. It might just be me. But but she's okay as a character. No, no problem. Okay. 
next character and last old lady is Jiang Nanhi, played by Go Dushin. So she is a widow and um, a successful restaurant owner. And she is also a daughter sustaining her old mother, her sick father, and her brother who has a disability. He, um, he can't walk. Oh, wait, he can walk, but with like crutches and all. Because of an accident, uh, an occupational accident. So Nan, he has a pretty traumatic or like she's just had a terrible experience with men her her husband cheated on her and then she harbored you know deep resentment against him and against men in general and also you know of course against the woman who cheated with him who i think they also knew from elementary school and young one who still remained friends with that woman you know despite knowing about the affair and knowing and being best friends with Nanhi before. So, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say about Nanhi. Well, of course, she has a complicated relationship with Wan, her daughter, who I'll introduce in a while. Um, and yeah, she has the most people around her because she has, you know, her mother and then her father and then her brother and then her daughter, like, she has a lot of people around her. Um, but it seems like, kind of like Chungnam, she has the least going on with herself as an individual. Because she's just so busy taking care of others and dealing with her, her complicated relationship with her daughter. So now we have our last main character, I guess. Um, Park Wan, played by Go Yunjong. So Wan is the only daughter of Nanhi. And she's a writer who... You know, grew up with all of the old ladies as her aunts who took care of her as she grew up. Um, at times, she acts like they're a nuisance to her. Which, honestly, they kind of are. Like, calling her at, you know, weird times to ask her to pick them up and help them get out of the situation. Like, yeah, at times, they're a nuisance. Okay. And she expresses that. Like, oh, she really does. Like, she's so irritated. She doesn't want anything to do with them because, like, it's always a mess when it involves these old ladies. Um, but despite all her grumbling and, and everything, her complaints, uh, she can't help but come and whenever they ask for her help. Like, I, I don't, um, I don't know how to explain it. I guess that's just how we are. <laughs> I don't know. Um, just knowing that they are her mother's close friends. And in a way, they they acted as her mother, you know, as she grew up as well. So she's close to them as well. Um, so Wan serves as the narrator of the show. Because eventually, um, in the course of the show, she decides to write a novel about them, about all the old ladies and their stories. And her thoughts about them and the events of in their lives are heard in voiceovers. Like, I think the voiceover in the show is kind of what she wrote in the book and then just dramatizes it for us. So, yeah, really interesting perspective because she's like, she's an outsider who observes them and, and sees, you know, their dynamic and their stories, but she also kind of has her own story as well as she interacts with them and has her own life and her own issues. She has a love line. Yes, she has a romantic relationship with Soyeon Ha, played by Jo In Sung, which has a long and painful history that I won't spoil. I will not spoil it for anyone because it's just so, so, so good. So, I know I said a lot, but in my standards, my descriptions aren't too detailed you know, compared to my usual recaps. Because, you know, one, there's so much I want to say. But I don't want to spoil it. Like, the journey of getting to know these characters and all their stories, it's so organic in this show. And it's so worth it. I spoiled some things, you know, just, just to have something to say. Because, you know, they don't really have, like, a one word or one sentence description to each of them. I mean, they probably do, but I just want to give you like a little bit of a taste of what this show is about. But really, my main goal is just to assure you 
that this show is good. It's really, 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 really good. Okay? There. I am not here to give you, like, a comprehensive analysis on everything. Like, just, I'm just here to tell you, like, if you're into all these things, it's really good. And two, my descriptions aren't too detailed because I didn't analyze this show much while watching it. Like, I was just immediately sucked into their world and in the lives of these characters. And, I mean, to be honest, I've been watching so many shows with the lens of someone analyzing it. Like, I'm, I know I'm watching it and I'm, I choose what I, you know, review, right? Of course, I choose what I talk about and what to write about it. But, like, there are some shows where I walk into it thinking, okay, well, this seems good, so I'm going to analyze it. Um, and so, you know, that happens towards like episode four. And then, you know, from four to 16, I have this little, you know, notepad in my brain taking note of all the things that I think I should mention or like, hmm, I wonder if this will be a recurring theme in the show, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, even though I am enjoying these shows as I'm watching them, I'm still analyzing it as I go. But with Dear My Friends, um... I just sat down and watched it, you know, because I've I've gotten burned out from watching shows that way. Honestly, I think that's why I watch shows so slowly. Aside from being busy, it's just I was just burned out from the way I watched things. Um, but this time, I just I I had no plans on making uh an episode on this, even though I pretty much knew I would love it from episode one. Um, but I just sat down there and I watched. And I enjoyed, and I cried and laughed and cried some more, and then stopped crying for a while, and then something made me cry again. Ew. Oh, gosh, what a show. Um, it's been a while since I just really felt and enjoyed a show. And now, this is my favorite K-drama that I watched this year. So, yeah, I think that experience was worth it. Even if you know, now, as I wrote the outline for this episode, even if it was so hard to come up with, like, I wonder what the main theme is, or I wonder what this character is all about, because I really wasn't, you know, sitting there taking down notes or anything. So, made it a little hard to come back to reviews, recaps, and rants, but the experience was worth it. Okay, so, why do I love this show so much? Number one, it's Slice of Life. This, this is Slice of Life. Just by the description I gave you earlier, you know, the quick synopsis, you know this is Slice of Life and you know this is my kind of show. And like, I know I overuse that word, that term. Like, what is Slice of Life even? And I'm still not great at describing it because, you know, the definition changes with each show. Like, what show gives me that vibe? Sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. Um, but really, when I define something as slice of life and I say I love it, I love it because um, with a slice of life, you can't hide behind an interesting premise or plot. Like, it's all, all about the characters. It's like you can have, you know, the most intricate setup in all this, but, it, you know, if your characters are weak, it falls flat. And, you know, the best slice of life shows are, um, it's about characters who are people, not just characters. Do you get what I mean? Okay. Because if, if a character is a character, they can do things that are OOC, out of character, and act in a way that is out of character. And then we would be confused and angry and call that bad writing because it's not consistent with the character. You know, because I think I think what I'm trying to say is that um, they're kind of boxed into whatever description, whatever tropes they have. Like, they are this person that fits this role and performs this, this role in the story. To me, that's what a character is. But... When a character... I'm overusing this word. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best to explain it. But when a character is like a person, 
like a three-dimensional character. There you go. When they're three-dimensional, they can do whatever. But because the K-drama created such a detailed picture of them and the world that they live in, you can kind of understand that, you know, people are just like that. Because people in real life contradict themselves every day. They do one thing and say that they're this, and then the next day they do the exact opposite of that. And yet somehow they're not like glitching or something because they're not making sense. Like, no, they just keep living because, you know, people are a bundle of contradictions. So I think that's, it's so interesting really when when a character reaches that point when they're really three-dimensional and it's like no matter how problematic confusing you are i will just accept that you know what maybe that's just how people would react in this sort of situation because like people you know there is no set way to react to something like if a character is like okay you are good morally upright and therefore, if they're good and morally upright, they must react to this situation in one sort of way. That, because that would be consistent to, you know, being good and morally upright. But like, you know, some people are good and morally upright. But, you know, sometimes they do things that are not good and morally upright or react in certain ways that don't fit that description. And so, like, it's just like, well... Maybe, maybe it calls for it. Maybe that's just how it is sometimes. I feel like I'm just making excuses or just going in a circular definition because essentially what I'm trying to say is that the best slice of life shows have three-dimensional characters. And this is that kind of show. Because No Hikyong, the writer's greatest strength, is really writing characters and relationships. Like, immediately. I was sucked into their world because of how likable these characters are, despite everything. You know, even even one who does so many questionable things and is sometimes so honest to the point of being disagreeable and rude. She's so real, though. Like I'm, I I know I'm going to meet someone like her someday, and you know I may not agree with what she does, but as a person, I can't really hate her because. Okay, maybe maybe people are just like that sometimes. Um, you know, this is obviously a biased opinion because I like the writer and I like the stories that she tells, but, but that's just how I feel. Um, you know, even if it's a slice of life show, sometimes it goes a bit melodramatic, you know, sometimes the things going on are, huh, this is a this is a K-drama. <laughs> but but it stays within the realm of possibility. Like, you know, they're not magically, I don't know, I'm not going to give a terrible example and then, you know, reveal the shows that I think are super cliche and tropey. But, you know, it's a bit melodramatic, but uh, given that this is the topic we're dealing with, I think these events are possible. And like, by the time it becomes melodramatic, you're already so invested in all these characters and relationships. I hope I'm not losing you because of how vague I'm being right now, but I genuinely do not want to spoil the show for anyone. Please trust me, just watch it. Okay, next. <laughs> I love the mood of this show. It's um slice of life leaning warm, right? And so the mood of the show is very light and warm, um, almost whimsical because of how these characters are and how like wacky their adventures and misadventures are at times um heavy things do happen in the past and even in the present but the show doesn't entirely focus on that because like you know stories about old people are always about sadness and sacrifice and now that they are finally being focused on like when they're supporting characters they're, they're always like sad sick and sacrificial the three s's of being old but but you know, now that they're the protagonists, like, are we really still going to focus on that? At times, yes. But similar to the novel that one is writing in the show. Yeah, they've been through so many, you know, sad, tragic, melodramatic things in their life. But they can still manage to be warm, compassionate, loving, and caring to each other and to their families. Like, 
their life is not dictated by the sadness that goes on or the struggles that they've been through. You know, it, it emphasizes the point that living, you know, actually living life and wanting things in life doesn't just end because you're old. Like, they can still experience love and romance and all these misadventures. Like, they're not defined by, you know, those sad moments in life. Although that comes back up every now and then. Um... You know, I mentioned that K-dramas don't usually focus on old people. It's always like an old person in relation to their family or as a parent or mentor figure to someone. But here's a show that finally gives us that. Like, here, here have some old people. And then you may ask, like, okay, then what are their struggles though? Like, what do they still want to do with their lives? Why does their story need to be told? Can this story not be told with younger people? Like, why Why is this so special? I think what makes, you know, f- the, the focus on old people, <laughs> elderly people so special is that um, it shows the effect of time on our relationships and our view on life. Because when you're young, Wow, as if I'm so old, right? As a young person, everything to me feels so intense and so fast. Like there's always so much going on and we feel everything so strongly. And then, you know, I feel like as time goes on, as we get older and all things, as we get older and all these things, um, there's this cliche of time heals all wounds. <laughs> Very cliche. Um, but uh, I don't think that means that, you know, that pain will just be gone over time. Everything you feel so intensely now, eh, as time will pass, it'll just be gone. No, I, I think some things in the past can come back to haunt you. And, you know, that our consequences and that our actions have consequences on ourselves and the ones that we love. That's that's what this show tells us, really. However, you know, even if time doesn't heal all those wounds, love does. You know, you can really see in all these characters and their relationships that love and relationships have kept these people going despite everything that they've been through. All all kinds of love. Like for for familial love, you know. We meet the families of all the characters. We see their sacrifices, their concern for each other, and how love and resentment can coincide. Because really, no family is perfect. And then sometimes, like, those mistakes in the past, how we treat each other, it, it comes back to haunt us, right? But, and that, that forms the resentment that we all somehow feel. There's still love there. There's still love in those relationships. And how how do those two forces in a relationship like clash against each other? At at some point, like will your resentment towards like how you were raised or things that happened in the past, like, does that just vanish? Does love completely, you know, overcome it and all that? Or does like does the resentment ruin the love that you feel for your family that's something that this show kind of touches on with the relationship of Wan and Nanhi so um, another form of love that we see in the show so much is platonic love and I think this is the main draw of the show the main draw is the decades long friendship among all of them there's no boring moment at all in the show because you don't just know that they're longtime friends you feel it in all their interactions and how they just know each other. Now they just accept certain things about uh, each other and how sometimes they challenge that. Like, why are you still doing this to yourself? I don't think this is a good idea for you. And it's not coming from a place of like just wanting to contradict the other person. It's coming from a place of understanding how their entire life has played out and how Maybe this isn't the best decision for you because of, you know, everything that's happened to you in the past and all that. 
ah, and their concern goes beyond friendship. Like, this friendship is family now. Um, however, love and resentment can coincide here too. But but this is where you can see how love does triumph, right? Because you see it in their lasting friendships. This is a bad explanation. This is really, this is not my best work, but it's because I can't give any examples. Um, but I mean, I think the example basically is the fact that they're still friends after decades. Like, just watch it and you'll know how much these people love each other. Gosh, I, I really think like this is squad goals. You know, I would love to be in my 70s with my friends. I'd love to have that kind of relationship. Anyway, um, I think Dear My Friends also kind of exemplifies self-love. Self-love, you know, as an old person. Because like, they still want things for themselves. They still like strive for certain things. They don't just like roll over and let life pass them by. Like they still want to either achieve something or pursue something or to be independent. And it takes courage to do all of that, to love yourself enough, to be independent, to prioritize yourself and to pursue something or someone that you want. Especially when they probably feel, you know, so vulnerable given, you know, all their weaknesses or their old age and everything like it takes so much courage to take all those steps forward even when they you know people have this idea that when you're old you just whatever just let life pass by like no no that's that not that's entirely you know not the point of the show it's showing that they still want things that they still want to live genuinely not just to live as in to exist but to have a life that is worth living at this time and lastly a little bit this show has or exemplifies romantic love and now i will highlight you know wan and yonha who are so in love and so devoted that it almost does not feel real like the reasons why they can't be together at first are rooted in familial love and it, it kind of shows that sometimes you have to choose one over the other, right? And so one chooses her love for her mother, for her family first. But it's possible for love to be so strong that it transcends that and makes people overcome every obstacle. And I don't know if it's just No Hee Kyung's writing, if it's the chemistry of Go Yun Jung and Jo In Sung, or both of those things, but you firmly believe her. I firmly believe that they must end up together. Like, my greatest fear in this show is like, what if they don't end up together? Like, how devastated am I going to be if they don't end up together? It's, in a way, it's just like, it's okay, that's love. Like, I'm so sold on this love story that I I believe firmly that if they don't end up together, this is just, it's just a cop-out. It's just to make people suffer. But they, like, no one is as in love as these two people are. Ugh. And now that I mentioned it's okay, that's love. You know, how does this hold up compared to other No Hee Kyung works? Um, so, similarities that I finally found in It's Okay, That's Love, Live, and Dear My Friends. Um, no Hee Kyung writes about complicated family relationships a lot, like, Abuse, divorce, cheating, you know, non-traditional, non-happy, sunshine and rainbows type of families. But despite that, they stick together. And so, why? Like, how do you live with that? Or how do you tolerate that and just accept that, you know, you're dealing with this terrible situation or that the your family has done something terrible to you personally even or to your other parent or to your sibling or whatever how do you deal with that and just stick with it and not just leave them just be free you know it's so difficult to put it into words really but no he kyung writes those complicated relationships so well and oh, i don't know i've seen it in live in yang chon and his father's relationship and you know his mother as well and here with you know nanhi and 
Juan and Nanhi's mother and her father and uh, you know it's just so complicated and yet somehow you know because these people are three-dimensional characters like you'd think no this is something that does happen in real life like people don't just magically you know find the courage to leave their family and then not everyone gets to have that kind of story essentially and this is this is still a story worth telling because a lot of people stick to terrible situations for various reasons there okay i just it's so fascinating to me and like i i do love how she goes about it it doesn't gloss over the terrible things that these people have done but but you can just see how it bleeds into their interactions and to their overall relationship with each other okay um a scene that has happened in all three of her works is like the characters make a mess like they throw food and mud and whatever at each other and it's this like big euphoric moment really this is like and it's okay that's love it was like the final scene when they were throwing tomatoes or paint at each other i don't know and then in live it was when uh sangsu caught the criminal (laughs) who was super dangerous yeah and then they had this big like throwing food and water and soft drinks at each other moment in the cafeteria or pantry or whatever and then in here towards the ending like the old people went to the beach and then just started like putting mud on each other's faces and all that like it's this big moment where you're thinking like why are y'all doing this what's the point of this but then you realize like those moments are so so incredibly you know happy euphoric moments and like how do you express all that energy you just just go wild you go ham you go crazy i don't know how to explain it but like as a watcher i guess mostly because i mean it's okay that's love and dear my friends this was like the final one of the final scenes right and so you understand the need to release some of this like extremely positive energy right before the show ends makes perfect sense and for live it was like this big triumph this like surprising moment where wow i can't believe we survived that or we were able to do that and it's just celebrating that because they deserve to celebrate their wins after taking so many losses um i don't know like usually i'd be like oh this is such a waste of food and resources what is this even but you know, you're also caught up in the moment with them. And so it feels so euphoric. Really, really. I don't know why I've noticed those scenes specifically. But I'm sure there are a lot more, like, similarities with what Nohi Kyung, you know, puts in her shows. But, I mean, I don't... I wouldn't call this a formula. I still wouldn't call this a formula. If you have not listened to my Formula K-dramas episode... It's, you know, two episodes ago, I think. Uh, Give it a listen. I talked about a lot of other writers there. Anyway, I I still wouldn't say that Nohi Kyung has a certain formula that she sticks to. But, you know, she has some recurring themes. She has stories that she wants to tell. Because I think they play out differently. Because of how different her characters and the world that she's built around them are <laughs> yeah you get it you you get it and um similarities in Nohi Kyung's works great music I really have to say um okay I'd say best music is live I think there's just something so special about the mood of that show and how the music helped in it next it's okay that's love I, I really love the music of that show. I'm re-watching it right now. And yeah, it just reminded me of how like happy and light I feel and how intimate some of the music feels also. Gosh, what a great show. And I would say Dear My Friends has my least favorite soundtrack. 
But it may be because this has a different director. So FYI, No Hee Kyung did not work with Kim Hyutae this time. Because I think he was busy with Scarlet Heart. And we all know what happened there. <laughs> um, for Dear My Friends, she worked with Hong Jong-chan, who was the director of Life. Right? Cool. Okay. So, overall, I would rank it as, from bottom to the top of these three works I watched, It's Okay, That's Love, bottom, Live, top is Dear My Friends. So, I still love It's Okay, That's Love so much. Hey, guys, I'm re-watching it with my sister right now. I I love this show so much. Because, like, similar to the story of Wan and Yonha, they, Jang Jae-yeol and Taesu, they make me believe that love can overcome anything. However, it's the weakest because the supporting characters aren't as strong. There. Yeah, that, that's really it. Like, I, I really love... You know, the main couple, they're so perfect for each other. I love their story. I love their chemistry. But what sets the other two above this is that they have this great ensemble cast. And I'm so invested in everyone, not just the protagonists. But in the defense of It's Okay, That's Love, it's a rom-com. It's not slice of life. And so the main couple is the most important thing that they have to work on the most important characters that they have to be so strong and so perfect for each other and that's how you sell the show so it's okay i'll allow it's okay that's love to have kind of weak supporting characters and not that much not that strong of a sense of community it's fine it's a rom-com the chemistry is perfect (laughs) i'm watching it again and just seeing them together it hurts me because I believe in Yojin Song's supremacy. <laughs> but, but yeah. And next, live. Live is still my second favorite K-drama that I've watched this year. I watched it twice, guys, in the span of two months. I, I love the show. And I love the characters. Even if I thought the protagonists were annoying and I hated their love line. Like, I still love everyone else in that squad. I still want to know everything that's going to happen to them. Like, I still want to go on patrols with them and see, you know, what are they doing? How are how are they dealing with all these situations? I want to see how do they maintain their friendships even if they've kind of all split apart. Because I believe that they, they've genuinely gone through some terrifying things together and I think that creates like a great bond. So I still want to be part of that squad you know gosh but but there really dear my friends is near perfect that's why it's my favorite one i only say near perfect to be diplomatic right because nothing is perfect but i personally cannot think of any flaws like i sat down there and just enjoyed it the whole time without analyzing anything for flaws. And so, you know, maybe it got a little melodramatic towards the end, as it does, but isn't that natural when dealing with elderly people? Like, with this topic or with this demographic of characters, like, isn't it natural that they encounter those issues? You know, the great thing about this show is that it showed elderly people in a different light, highlighted them as the protagonists of their own stories and not just supporting characters anymore. And so the melodramatic stuff that they deal with is something that we may face in real life. But Dear My Friends shows us how love and friendship can be there for us when we need it the most. And if it can't, love and friendship can help us heal after it because there's just so much life left to live. Even at an old age, we need that love and that friendship to, to be by our side and to help us, you know, live that life to the fullest, to find the courage to love ourselves, to pursue what we want, to be independent, to do whatever it is that we want to do. That's, that's what love and friendship can do for us if it can't be there at the lowest of our lows. Gosh, 
that's that's it for me today. Um, this is my favorite show this year, and it frustrates me so much that there's so much I didn't say because I don't want to spoil anything. Like I really want everyone who hasn't watched this show to you know just go in blind, enjoy it as it is. Bring a box of tissues, maybe if you cry as much as I do. Like my eyes were in so much pain the day after I watched this because it was just constant crying from episodes. I think I binged like seven episodes in a day, which I don't recommend. But look, I don't. It only took me a while to watch this because I was busy, and then I, you know, watched other shows before it or just. I never had the time to to really sit down with it. But when I did, when I started like saying, okay, this is the only show I'm going to watch for now, I finished it so fast because I couldn't stop. Like I was just so into everything that was going on, all of these characters. And then when it was over, it was like I didn't cry as much as I thought I would at the very ending because I think all my tears dried up. Like the seven episodes I watched, or the six episodes I watched before the finale, they just took all my tears and dried me up. And maybe, like, I just ran out. <laughs> I was so dehydrated from crying. <laughs> but sorry, I digress. Please watch this show. If you haven't watched the show, I genuinely believe it's so worth it. It's so, so, so worth it. And if you have watched the show, you know, I hope you're okay. And I hope we all find the love, the family, the friendship that will stay by our sides the way their friendship did. You know, I, I wish that for all of us. So that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.